0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA a member FDSE.
1: You are listening to the fly, the W670 podcast. It's season two, episode 55 Cubs club, the Cardinals. There's not much better to say than that other than sweeping the Cardinals, but they did club the Cardinals. That's for sure. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the fly, the W podcast in this segment. Rawley talks to Gabe Ramirez, diehard White Sox fan and radio host over at 670 The Score and B96 to talk about the Crosstown Classic. Joining me now on the fly, the W podcast, TV and 670 The Score radio host and lifelong White Sox fan, Gabe Ramirez. Gabe, how you doing, buddy?
0: Doing good, man. You know, just uh, ready for this series and uh, ready to be disappointed, probably more so than anything else.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. So I got to ask you, you know, you and I are roughly the same age. Do you feel that maybe because of interleague and all that stuff that the Cubs and White Sox matchup has the same intensity in the past, or do you think it's mellowed out a little bit? Some,
0: I think that, you know, when it's at its peak is when both teams are performing at a high level. Right. And I think that when there's disinterest, it's because, you know, the organizations themselves aren't putting the best product on the field. And so, you know, it loses a little bit of the lure there. We understand that. I mean, we've we've seen days when, you know, AJ's been punched in the face, right? And we've seen fights in the stands, Uh, but we've also seen games that are half empty because, you know, people don't want to show up to see two bad teams. And it's unfortunate that that's where we're at right now.
1: Right. Right. And and I got to ask you, as someone who grew up in the area, are, are, do you think it's OK for someone to root for both teams or, or do you feel <laughs> pick a side, man? Where, where 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 do you where do you lie on that issue?
0: Yeah, I think I think it's, it, it should depend on your like your age range. Right. Like if you're 10 to t- 10 to 20, whatever your opinion, you're just you're just arguing at the barbecue. You're not really no one's really paying attention to you. In your twenties, I think you should have a little bit of loyalty. You know, pick your team. You know, kind of figure out who who it is that you like. But then once you get in your thirties and above, it's like you you love who you love, and you hope that the other side does well. You should you shouldn't hate the other side, is what I'm saying. I <laughs> don't I don't like the fans. You know, those those little ones that get on my nerves, the ones that hate the other side. I can't help but to say something. What kind of fan are you, Carly? I
1: I am a hundred percent die. Here's what I tell people: I am diehard Cubs and. When it comes down to it, I, I am, my loyalty is 100% Cubs. And when the White Sox won the World Series in 2005, I just didn't watch it. I just couldn't. It was too hard because, you know, as, as an, an older guy, you know, I still get ribbon from White Sox fans and I give it back. It was like, oh God. So I, I, I can't, in good conscience, root for the co- White Sox. I don't root against them, I don't root for them. That's kind of where yeah. I stand.
0: I'll tell you, I'll tell you, when the Cubs won the World Series, I was sleeping, and the way I found out was the fireworks going off. Right, so that just goes to show you my Soxdom versus my Cubdom, and what I, how much I care about the other team. I was that's, like, I woke up and I was like, oh damn, I guess the Cubs won the World Series. <laughs> I just went back
1: to sleep. That's absolutely that's funny you say that because my neighbor, when the White Sox won in two thousand five, every game that they won in the World Series, he'd light off fireworks uh. and that. And that- waking me up. But it's, you know what, man, like I said, it's fun as long as, you know, everyone doesn't take it too serious. I think that's the thing is that like, you know, we're going to be, you know, we're going to, we may have our own different rooting interests, but I've gone to Cubs-Sox games with Sox fans. I was at the cell when uh, Michael Barrett punched AJ Pruszynski. So, I mean, I've gone both ways and I'm hoping to go this week, uh, this next week coming up. So, you know, I, I just love the fun of it. And I love that we have two teams and you can kind of draw sides as long as you just don't act like an idiot. You know what I mean?
0: That's a great point that there's one thing we can not take for granted. And it it is that we have two teams here, you know, in Chicago. I always talk about the fact that, you know, the year after Chris Bryant won the uh, MVP, I still made it out to Wrigley because I wanted to watch as a baseball fan, you know, the best player or who was deemed the best player in, in the majors. And so for me, it was a treat, even though he wasn't playing for the White Sox to still have opportunities like that, or whenever a player comes into town, Obviously prior to this season that played in the other league. If you weren't, if you were a fan of theirs, but you know, their team didn't come see your ball club, but once a year at that, you know, you can go to the other side of town. So that was always fun.
1: Yeah. And, and so, Gabe, for for our our Cubs centric listeners right now, why don't you tell us, give, give us your kind of breakdown of the season so far for the 2023 Chicago White Sox.
0: Yeah. And for for the Cubs fans that are out there. It, it was, it's been tough growing up as a Sox fan, I'll be honest. My dad is a Cubs fan. My brother's a Cubs fan. I just grew up in the era of Robert Ventura, Frank Thomas, Ozzie Guillen, Black Jack McDowell. Those guys kind of defined my childhood, and so therefore I kind of like leaned in that direction when it came to them. But um, the Sox themselves, come on. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's just a continuation of last season, right? There was frustration for all of us as Sox fans seeing what was going on, the underachieving that was happening from the ball club, and then the front office, right? Where, you know, the assumption is you have guys in place that are trying to do what's best for the organization in terms of winning. And one of the most difficult things to do is admit failure at that level, right? Because you are getting paid the big bucks to make those decisions, whether it's Ryan Poles, Ryan Pace, you know, or, you know, whoever it might be. And the Sox seem to be in that space right now where they've made mistakes and they can't seem to just admit that that's what they are and move on from them. They continue to try to live in this space of we hope everyone can play at a high level at the same time. And what we realize as fans is that that's just not a reality. And so that's why you see the dip in attendance. That's why you see the low voting for Luis Robert Jr., um, you know, but that's nothing new for Sox fans, right? Carly, that's nothing new. I mean, Sox fans, if you're not performing well, they're just not going to show up because it's a smaller fan base, right? It is like a small market team in its circle of fan base pe- that exists. And so if you're not performing well, they're not going to show up. And so they're, we're waiting for a winner. We were promised one. We were promised at least the, uh, the concept and the notion of a world series winner or, or someone that can, a team that can compete for that. And it's been so far from that. Right. And so That's where fans are now where there's that level of frustration where it's give me anything new, anything new, because this season is just proving what we thought last year and what we were holding. out hope that it wasn't this year, but the fact is it is, and that is a team that isn't as good as we thought they were going to be, and that's it. And there were mistakes made, and you got to give other people opportunities so we can cheer as fans. Cheer for some new guys. Just cheer for anybody new. We'll cheer for them. Uh, other, other than the guys that are here in order to get us going again.
1: Well, when you talk about mistakes being made, when I think about, so when the, you know, obviously the White Sox were starting, they did their rebuild and the Cubs were winning and everything was great. And you guys were losing and rebuilding. But right when that team looked like it was forming, I thought that one of the biggest mistakes in baseball that I can remember was when uh, Jerry Reinsdorf gets involved and hires Tony La Russa and well, I thought that A.J. Hinch was the one that was going to get the job. I remember a tweet coming out congratulating A.J. Hinch and all this stuff. A.J. Hinch, you know what he did with the Astros? And and I felt that that was a huge mistake because I know the manager isn't going to determine this, that, or the other. But I always say from a Cub fan standpoint, I don't think the Cubs win the 2016 World Series without Joe Madden. And I feel like Tony La Russa, the game passed him by. I thought age was a factor. I mean, he's always going to be a good teacher and have a lot of knowledge. Not to say he's like awful. But that wasn't the coach that you guys needed, and I think that really affected your window horribly.
0: Yeah, when you're looking at those 2016 Cubs, Carly, it's 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 clear that Madden was the guy to get the best out of all of them, to get each one of them playing at a high level, regardless if it was some antics or a pat on the back, kicking kicking kick the butts. Um, you know that existed there, and I think that with this White Sox team, the assumption or, or the, the the path forward was not who can get the best out of all of these gentlemen. It was I have a guy who I think is really good and this team is really good. So everything's going to be okay. And that was the mindset as opposed to who can get the best out of these men that are playing on this team. And we saw, we saw what happened right from the very beginning with the hiring him after, after the, 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 the alcohol issue. And even from that moment. Right. And then from the TA, just, it just, you're right. It, just, it didn't feel right. And of course people can look back now and be like, Oh, well, it wasn't La Russa, It was the team. Well, yeah, it's a lot of things, right. It's never just one thing. It's always, it's, it's It's a number of things that have to happen. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, that's what's going on right now with the team. But, you know, Pedro Fall, same thing. People assumed that he was going to come in and be that dude. And it's harder to get men that are settled in their ways and are comfortable to play at a high level because you have to – what is the motivation, right? What's the motivation to get them to play at that high level? And it seems as though the White Sox, for whatever reason, have have – have not been able to get that from each player on their team at the same time.
1: So is it fair to say the, the, that the temperature on the White Sox fan base on Pedro Grifol is there, is, is the jury out on him just yet? Or what, what are the Sox fans feelings right now?
0: No, I, I think there is some, it's blame to go around. And I think for a first year manager, what he's dealing with, you know, should he have won six, seven more games? Sure. But I don't think anyone expects him to be some 10 game over 500 coach and who's just mismanaging the team. Right. And I I think that's fair to say. No one thinks Pedro is mismanaging the White Sox. It's just it's it's if you're looking at the pie chart of blame. Right. (laughs) I don't think he warrants a, a big slice of that. I think a lot of that goes to the players themselves.
1: Yeah, you know, and 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 when all like I said, when the Cubs were out, kind of on their way down and they're selling everybody off, I was looking over at the south side of town. And I'm looking at the core. You're looking like names like Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech, Carlos Rodon, Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Juan Mancada, Eloy Jimenez, and Luis Robert. And I'm thinking to myself, these guys really have a chance to make a run. And now the talk is selling. And and, and which guys would you say? are most likely to be dealt here at the trade deadline?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question that a lot of Sox fans have. And I think, you know, you have to be team specific if you're trying to see who really wants to take away some of these guys because, you know, a lot of those names that are still on the roster, you know, are there to be traded. A guy like Tim Anderson, no one wants to see him leave. Sox don't want to part ways with him. But if somebody really feels strongly about a Tim Anderson and will be willing to give up prospects and pitching prospects that are included as well, then, you know, they'd be willing to move on from pretty much anyone, like they've said, except for Luis Robert, Elo Jimenez. They've mentioned Dylan Cease, but, you know, there are teams out there that, again, if Dylan Cease performs well next year, you're not going to resign him the year after that. So he's not going to be in your window. So why not just get something for him? Like, it'd be just savvy, business savvy to get somebody for him now. So to me, I think if you can get a haul for Dylan Cease where you make a couple teams bid up the price for a guy like him, to me, that's what you do. Dangle him out there, let him be the most uh precious gem that exists in, in, in the trade at the trade deadline. Leapfrog of Marcus Stroman. be the best guy and have everybody just crabs in a barrel trying to get him. That to me would be the best idea. I think you keep Giolito. I know he'd probably perform well in another ser- scenario, but we've seen a lot of guys go to the West Coast, to the Angels and, and sorts, and, and not perform particularly well. And I, I would love Giolito to stick around to be as a guy like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Carly like a black Jack McDowell, right? Be the guy that a generation of fans can look to, like a Burley that, that can say, hey, this is my guy. I rock with Giolito. You know, He's someone that can at least bring the fan base out. You can, fans can cheer for him. He can go 500 and no one would care because he's still our guy. So I would like Giolito to stay in that that space. And then, you know, outside of that, you know, you, get, you might you might get rid of a Kendall Graveman. You know, you might, right, although Lopez might, get you some prospects back because he, he does want a different role on another team. So it will be interesting, but there, there, there are things to be had, but I, for me, it's, I think it should be Dylan Cease at the top of that top of that list. I love Dylan Cease, but he can get you back the most at this very moment when there are teams very closely to each other in the playoff race, and that they can separate themselves with a guy like Dylan Cease, if they're willing to give up some top tier prospects in their farm.
1: Now we mentioned a couple times Tim Anderson. You mentioned you know with him and Tony Larusa and, and and the struggles he's gone through. It's almost been like a soap opera this year and I remember when you know the the, everyone was saying you know what this Tim Anderson guy is better than Javi Baez on the north side of town what do you do you think that what's going on in the field what his performance this season do you think it's it's a combination I'm sure of things but why do you think he's struggling to get back to that all-star level
0: yeah I think first you have to commend Tim Anderson for reaching a level that no one thought he could reach having a batting title, silver slugger, being a guy that can consistently hit over 300. I mean, that is, uh, you know, unheard of in baseball to do it at, at that consistent rate. And so the pressure he put on himself, you have to you have to look at him and say, hey man, you did this, right? You put this pressure to be this guy that a team, that you can carry a team like he can the White Sox, you know, be that guy at the, at the one, one, splot, one slot, you know, improve your defense. And yeah, I think that, what ends up happening is that you know you just can't do it year in and year out for a decade straight, be batting three thirty. It's just hard. Baseball is a difficult sport, and we all have lives, and our lives are not the same every single year. They they are different, and they're they're we're faced with new tasks and new challenges in our personal lives, and that could be a myriad of things. And 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 so, could that be something that's happening? Sure, um, but I think it's just mere statistics and then over the course of a decade you're going to have a bad season or two and, and i'm hoping that this is just one of them because i've got to be honest i i would i would love ta to stick around but but crowley you heard look at look at Strowman how he comes out man i want to be on this team i, I, I love this ballpark i want to be here you want Strowman to be there no matter what just because of what he's saying i would if i was a Cubs fan because that's what i would want ta to be saying i don't want him to be caught up in some drama of, of lip reading as to whether or not he said he wanted to be here no I, come out you know what the organization is rough yeah you know we're we're the we're the lovable losers but you know what i love it here and i want to build a winner because this is the team like you would love for him to say something like that so i love ta yeah. the player i have his clothing line i rock with ta but at the same time it's like you know you just maybe uh-huh. he's, he's the guy that needs a new new change of scenery i would think out of anybody
1: you know, it's interesting because when you talked about Dylan Cease, you said they're not going to sign him after his contract's up. And, 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 you know, here's the thing. Jerry Reinsdorf has owned the team for a long time, and I've seen signs, and I, I don't know, I think there was a billboard or something, sell the team. And I've seen that more this year than I, can, than I can ever remember. Do you think that when Jerry Reinsdorf, he's getting up there in age, but when that team gets sold, do you think that's going to reinvigorate the fan base?
0: Uh, I mean, how long is that going to be right before that? Happens? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, right? Good Cause, question. Because probably he's a Chicago guy like us. Right. Like now he is right and and, and and his mindset isn't. Oh, I'm going to crumble to the pressure of the fans. That's, that's not what Chicagoans do. That's not what the White Sox do. That's not he's not going to be like, OK, fine. You guys hate me. I'm going to sell the team. No, he does. He's fine where he's at. You know, he still thinks he can put out a winner. You know, if he hires the right people. So I just think that's so far out from the present, right? I think that, I think what would be cool is if, is if Jerry does, you know, some, one of my bosses in life told me when they were making changes and I questioned it and he said, Hey Gabe, you know what? Sometimes you just need a fresh coat of paint, right? It's not about making the room look nicer or rearranging the furniture He's like sometimes you just need a fresh coat of paint. And I get it. And I think that I, I would hope that one day soon Reinsdorf just says, Hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe we do need to just like wipe everything clean and, and just, you know, new people, new faces, new everything. And I think that would reinvigorate the fan base if, if something like that happened.
1: Yeah, it just uh, that doesn't seem to be the Jerry Reinsdorf way. <laughs> in. And he is getting up there in age. I don't want to, I don't wanna wish anybody anything, but that's the thing I just wonder about is when he passes, if, you know, all of a sudden then all this, you know, because I think people are frustrated with the, we're going to keep Kenny Williams around doing God knows what for how long. And some, like right. you said, just, just basically keeping the same guys around and, and doesn't seem to be any consequences for anybody.
0: Yeah. I think that, you know, you, you would, you would want that, but you know, I think, think, think about this, Carly. let's say your pops on the bulls and you were running it, right. you're, you're, you're loving it. Right. But your pops also ran, also owned the White Sox and you were kind of hands off there. But then let's say something does happen to your pops. You're not just going to let the White Sox go away. You're going to or sell it off. Right. You're not going to do that. You're going to go ahead and be full fledged involved in both of them as a human. That's what I would think. I mean, especially Michael Reinsdorf, I know him to be a really great uh, guy, very business savvy. So I could imagine he would want to take on the challenge of turning his White Sox into a winner. After that, I'm just saying from a, we're having a regular conversation, right? That's, that's right. If that, if it was me and my pops had that business, I would want to take it over and turn it into a win. Yeah. A, a, I, a, a, I, I a, mean, company.
1: maybe, maybe, maybe Michael can do that because I mean, I just remember the turnover when you, you had dollar bill works at, at, uh, with the, with the Blackhawks, And then all of a sudden Rocky took over and all of a sudden it just seemed like there was a, a, a change. And I wonder how, I mean, how much that would really reinvigorate the fan base, but as we sit here coming in this weekend again the White Sox just got swept uh, by the Twins that had to have been tough and 19 games under 500 so maybe the Cubs are catching them at the right time. You got Michael Kopek going one game and Lance Lynn going the other. What can you tell us about those two pitchers?
0: Yeah, I tell you what I'll tell you is that you just you're you're just not sure what you're going to get. Kopech had a decent outing last time out, but the time before that was rough. Again, it's just a topsy-turvy season. That he's had, or actually the last, you know, eighteen months, he would say. So he could mow you guys down. You know, he, he can throw the fastball hard. You know, if the sliders working, you know, he's going to be do- doing well. And if the changeup can get over the plate uh, for a strike, then he's going to be he's going to be guys going to be here for a tough night. But that's if he can find it. If he's out of the strike zone, up high with his fastball. I mean, you guys are you know a patient team. You know, so so they could you know it could be tough because if some of your guys are sitting dead red and Kopech has to go you know a heater down the middle because he's behind. Uh, you know, guys like Hap, Wisdom, saya I mean, they're gonna make him pay. And of course, Cody Bellens there as well. Uh, Lance Lynn, I, I think he is a guy that, you know, he'll get up for a game like this. You know, he's looking for something that to get him to get have him get up. And this could be one of those games. And uh also I think he, you know, he's a he's a he's a thinking pitcher, so I think he'll do a little bit fair, a little bit better than Kopek. But again, Carly, you just don't know, right? That that's that's the reality of it. Kopech could go two innings, he could go six. Lance Lynn could go. Seven innings and, and give up five, you just you, like you really have no idea. Uh, but you know that the guy they're gonna battle, that's what you do know. Are uh, gonna get a scrappy back end of the White Sox team with Remillard? And you know, uh, Zavala's always gonna play hard that that's seven, eight, nine slot, they're always gonna battle. And then if 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 the top of the order uh can perform at a high level with, with uh Ben and, and and Tim Anderson, uh, then I feel like the middle of the lineup comes through when he, when they see guys on base.
1: Well, Gabe, we always make our predictions at the end of the show. And so, Dustin and I, I'm going to let you have a chance here to, to make your prediction. You got a two-game series at the cell. Well, how do you see this playing out?
0: Yeah, two-game series at the cell. I'm going to say first game, Sox win like 7-6. I think Kopech, you know, keeps it down. Bullpen gives it up late, 7-6. And then I think the second game, who's pitching for the Cubs the second game?
1: The second game for the Cubs is going to be Marcus Stroman versus Lance Lynn. There should be, should be a lot of scouts in attendance, Gabe.
0: <laughs> yeah, as I'm sure there are. Who's pitching against Kopech? Tell me, Carly, while I'm, while I'm saying this little thing here about Lance Lynn. So- Kyle
1: Hendricks is going against Michael Kopech.
0: Ooh. Okay, I take that back. It's going to be 5-3 White Sox. because It's going to be a lower-scoring game. Lower-scoring game. 5-3. Kyle Hendricks has been pitching so well. Oh, my gosh. I've loved watching Kyle Hendricks pitch uh, since he's came back. It's just fun to. I love I love pitchers like that. So you guys are lucky to have a guy like Kyle Hendricks. But that'll be a great matchup. Five three, or yeah, yeah. Vice. It could go either way. Five three on on the first game, second game. Lance Lynch, Stroman. Uh, Stroman didn't pitch well last time out. What happened there? What happened there?
1: It's a good question. He's struggled ever since coming back from London. So yeah. that's where we talk about the inconsistency here. So we'll see what happens. Yeah.
0: So if he's if he's if he's if he's if he's pissed that you know he's about to get traded and he's not getting what he wants and he he throws anything two miles per hour slower to Eloy or, or Luis Robert, Sox could win that one too. So maybe that's one of those games that gets out of gets out of hand. Maybe it's like an eight two White Sox.
1: Oh, all right. Now, you know how Eloy <laughs> loves to perform against the Cubs. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Gabe, do me a favor. Tell her, And I want to make sure our listeners understand this. Gabe Ramirez is not just a White Sox guy. He no. covers all the sports, the Bears, Bulls, Hawks, everybody. White Sox, Cubs. Uh, uh, when can when can our listeners listen to your radio show?
0: Yeah, every night, 6 p.m. on 670 The Score, talking all Chicago sports. Cubs included, obviously, 670, the home of Chicago Cubs baseball and uh Bear season's coming up. So Bears Unleashed Friday and Saturday nights on Fox 32. And then you can catch me on the post game after the Bears on Fox as well. Luke Canellis Ann Heron, Jim Miller, and myself and Corey Wooten on the post game uh, after the Bears. So That's the best
1: out. post game, man. And I got to tell you, and where can they find you on the socials?
0: Oh, at, at Chicago underscore Gabe, G-A-B-E. Follow me, man. I follow you back.
1: All right, Gabe, I appreciate you so much for jumping on and talking White Sox with us. I wish you the best of luck after Wednesday's game with the rest of your season. (laughs) Thanks for jumping on, Gabe.
0: I like it. Thank you.